Hello and welcome to Dangerous Ideas, the podcast of the Socialist Party. Earth Strike, building for the Earth Strike. Sorry if you can hear alarms in the background, but it's sort of fitting because alarm bells should be ringing about climate change. So this week uh, we are discussing the Earth Strike and building for the Earth Strike. Uh, it's quite fitting. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've seen, or the world has horrifically watched on as flames engulf the, uh, the Amazon. Uh, Bolsonaro and his regime are happy and content with the burning of the Amazon because they represent a certain class and a system uh, which bases itself on industrializing the Amazon, setting up agribusiness and expanding agribusiness in the Amazon. So it's a perfect coalescence and a perfect, perfect moment. The earth strike that's being built on the 20th of September is occurring at the same moment in which the Amazon, the planet's lungs, are engulfed in flames. And we welcome the earth strike and we welcome the international movement of school students striking or walking out of school against climate change. Um, so uh, with me this week are Haritha and Peter, school students. Uh, Haritha is a school student in uh, Dublin, in Lucan, and Peter is... a well, just after graduating and is going to university now, uh, Peter is active in Belfast, both for members of the Socialist Party and also with me is Connor Payne, a long-standing member of the Socialist Party. Haritha, can you go into the background of the Earth Strike? Who called for it? Uh, I know you've been involved in organising school students walking out before. Can you, do you want to maybe flesh this out, like what the, um, what the movement, the, the nascent school environmental movement or the student movement against climate change, where does that come from? Yeah, definitely. So, like, I'm sure a lot of people will know, but um, the strikes were really sparked by Greta Thunberg, a, Swede, a then 15-year-old, like, Swedish um, school student, who in August 2018 began striking from school every day um, to until, her, until the Swedish government um, began working in line with the Paris Agreement. Um, like, Sweden that summer had faced the hottest summer in 262 years, um, and, like, wildfires and temperatures had been, like, higher than they ever had been before. Um, so it was really... Uh, Greta Thunberg was, like, really, really shocked to see the lack of media coverage um, on the climate crisis, especially when it's such a deadly and fatal um, issue today. After her strike started being a bit seeing a bit more success she started striking every friday which and then she was joined by um, millions of young people around the globe um which has been epitomized by on march 15th when over two million school students um internationally striked um for climate and 10 to 15 thousand people in dublin as well peter you've been uh well you were a school student up until recently and now you're your seem to be a university student and you're a member of the Socialist Party and you op operate in the North. Can you tell us what the mood was there? I know that you were on campus preparing uh, for the secondary school open there and I know you got in conversation and you were able to test the mood with just a wide range of youth. Yeah, so uh, over the last uh, two days on uh, Thursday and Friday of uh, this week, uh, the Socialist Party were out at uh, uh, school student open days at uh, Queen's University Belfast. Uh, basically, we were out talking to uh, young people uh, from all over the north of Ireland, talking about uh, the climate change movement and uh, building for the Earth Strike. Uh, when we were there, we uh, 
had uh, bulletins and papers uh, which were dedicated to uh, the climate movement and uh, we uh, actually uh, engaged in quite a lot of very good conversations. We uh, realised that uh, across the north there is a, a broad layer of support from young people for the climate movement, for the Earth Strike. We got uh, close to 70 people committing to build uh, walkouts in their own schools from all across the north and uh, this is really positive we think like we think this is this provides a real opportunity for the earth strike to be a real uh, mass movement of social change yeah so there's definitely a momentum around it like you, you can see that you're testing it yeah oh yeah like 100 percent. like there's momentum there's momentum building we've been seeing that from the the youth strikes that began uh early this year and it's been slowly but surely building and i think this is when it's going to come to a four of being being really big that's certainly a positive Okay, um, Connor, um, consciousness around the climate in society, in international society, has certainly developed over the last year. What do you, th- what do you think has caused this? What events do you think have accelerated the change in people's awareness on the climate crisis? Well, I think there's lots of things. I mean, but one, one very obvious thing is that the actual effects of climate change, we're, we're already experiencing them, and it's more and more obvious that we're already experiencing them. You have a huge increase, for example, in extreme weather events all around the world. Um, the number of floods has doubled uh, since 2004. The number of heat waves, droughts, forest fires has doubled since 1980. This year, in the in in January, February, in the U.S. Midwest, you had temperatures colder than Antarctica. You also have record heat waves, etc., in other parts of the world. So all of this stuff is more made more likely uh, and exacerbated uh, by climate change. And I, I think it's not just that then. And then obviously people have seen the, uh, as you pointed out, the, the Amazon fires as the latest extreme example uh, of the disaster that's unfolding before us. But it, it's not just that. It's then also that combined with the, with the clear fact that you're, you're facing inaction from the powerful and the wealthy and governments around the world. And that's, that's, that's being shown in different ways. You have, you know, in, in the likes of Trump and Bolsonaro, you have leaders who are open climate change deniers uh, in charge of two hugely important countries at a time when we need to be moving rapidly away uh, from carbon emissions. But also you have, even among uh, those who pay, pay lip service to the issue of climate change, a clear lack of any real action. And I mean, it remains the fact that, for example, last year, and we'll see what the figures are for this year, but in, in 2018, that was, the, that was an all-time high for global carbon emissions, despite the Paris Agreement, despite, um, despite uh, all the rhetoric that we hear. And the IPCC uh, report, you know, which, which points to 2030 uh, as a deadline to, you know, to, 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 to remain below 1.5 degrees Celsius which points to, you know, that, that emissions need to begin declining from, from 2020 onwards, that all of that is having an effect and is, is, is searing itself uh, into people's consciousness. So it, I think it's, it, it's that combination of the reality of climate change and what it will mean becoming more and more clear, but then also the, 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 the fact that there isn't a meaningful action or meaningful change being enacted by leaders and governments across the world. Those two things are clashing, and that's having an effect. And then we have a, a generation of young people in particular, I think, as you're seeing with the, with the, 
with a student strike, who are more and more questioning everything about society, uh, who are more and more being politicized and radicalized in general, and that's also, I think, feeding into this. So that's what I think uh, it, 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 it's about, and it's obviously a really, really positive uh, development to see the school student strike, to see a mass general movement developing on the issue of, of climate change. Harifa, one of the striking features of the response to the climate crisis is young people, in particular school students, being to the forefront of the movement. Do you think this has been many young people's first engagement with politics? Like, do you think there's been a radicalisation of young people? Do you think maybe layers of young people are developing anti-capitalist conclusions? 100%. I think, like... um Everyone was really surprised by the turnout on March fifteenth, and I'm sure we will be surprised um, by the turn for the on the turnout um, for the next um, international strike on September twentieth. Um, uh, I personally was like, um, personally was surprised by um, my intervention into my own school, which um, is particularly politicized. I mean, you've got young people that have really grown up in a culture of individualism they haven't really seen or experienced struggle. If they were lucky, maybe they um, might have participated a bit um, in the fight for marriage equality, marriage equality and repeal. But honestly, a lot of the students at the forefront of the climate of the climate strikes are honestly even too young to have um, really fought for repeal or marriage equality. So the ten to 15,000 students that did strike in Dublin, for most of them, it would have been their first experience of struggle and protest. But it's not, uh, it's not shocking that young people have come to the conclusion that it is necessary for us to strike to solve the climate crisis. I mean, the amount of young people that were um, chanting system change, not climate change mm-hmm. at the strikes, even if they, even if to them system change means um, change through, you know, our capitalist um, structures, it's still clear to, it, it's still um, very important important and significant that young people are coming to the conclusion that the climate crisis is something that's beyond them and something that we need collective struggle to um, fight for. Uh, even like just through giving out a couple of leaflets in my school, we we're really able to turn the school upside down on March 15th. And now, like every day, I've got people coming up to me being like, you know, what what's going to happen on September 20th, even if they're just excited to have a day off school. It shows that like, you know, the climate crisis is something that's important to them and something that's... Um, very significant and even if it's people's first experience of strike this can really like they they might not be really confident in the and very very significant effects that strike can have it's still um something that's very significant well just an observational point that when young people are mobilized it has like a far-reaching influence on older layers and you would have seen that with repeal repeal would have been very much the case in many instances where young people would have had conversations with older people maybe their grandparents and so on and there is very much like an unofficial in some cases an unofficial uh canvassing approach in which true young people passionately discussing the need for change on on that given issue that consciousness with older layers was able to change as well so that's just an observational point that i'd make that um through any sort of struggle like with young people struggling that has an impact and even like uh, on the industrial uh, labor movement that can have an impact on people's consciousness because it hones in on what is happening with climate change focuses people in on what's causing it and then that can be the seeds of action to be taken against it 
Um, Peter, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, with my experience in Belfast organising for uh, the Youth Strike for Climate movement, uh, what I have seen is is definitely a radicalisation of uh, young people around the, the climate movement. Uh, obviously, in the North, you have quite a particular situation where it's based on uh, sectarian lines and where I find quite a lot of young people are actually very demoralised by politics who uh, don't see uh, that much of a future between the, the two main blocks of uh, green and orange sectarianism. And uh, in reality, what we've seen whenever uh, we've been out intervening, handing out leaflets at these protests, is uh, people who, yes, uh, support socialism. You have people who have quite a lot of confusion about what socialism is. We call themselves socialists, but uh, would perhaps be sort of like not what we would define ourselves as socialists, as Marxists, obviously. But whenever you're talking to people there, they agree with points around uh, the need for uh, the taking under like the workers' control of uh, large sections of the economy, the transition towards like renewable energy. They understand that like uh, uh, stuff like the transport system needs to be free, fully funded. You know all this sort of stuff. They're hitting the points. Uh, literally, they're hitting the nail on the head. Like you know, they're they're hitting the points spot on every time. And I think like through our through our uh, continued uh, involvement in the in the in the movements and uh, in the climate movements and uh, sort of bringing forward a socialist perspective on this, I think there's a real real chance for us to to radicalize people not only around the climate movement but around uh, Marxist and socialist politics as a whole. Connor, we would have an analysis that capitalism is at the root of climate change. That's been a recurring motif of this podcast so far. Uh, effectively, the profit motive is the driving force which is accelerating climate destruction. Could you maybe flesh out this point a bit more concretely? Sure. So, obviously, um, the the profit motive is at the centre of production, at the centre of the economy uh, in capitalist society. That's what capitalism uh, essentially is. And I think that feature is a fundamental barrier taking any uh, meaningful action. Uh, against climate change. So obviously, uh, when we talk about climate change, uh, and we talk about, uh, we, 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 we have to recognize that there's huge corporations with be- which benefit enormously in terms of profit from the destruction of our planet. That's a reality. But it's worth looking at those corporations, and it's worth looking at how capitalism, uh, in what direction is capitalism actually driving uh, when it comes to uh, climate change. Because there's a burning need, obviously, to transition away from the use of fossil fuels. Is that going to be affected through through the market or through this system? And and is is the use of fossil fuels in reality on the decline? And just some points on that. So, just in 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 2019, Exxon Mobil released a um, a report for their investors called Outlook for Energy 2019, uh, and it's worth looking at this in the context of everything that we're seeing, uh, all the rhetoric we're seeing uh, from politicians and so on. Uh, And they say that, um, in their opinion, in 2040, 76% of the market share of energy will be for oil, coal, and gas. Uh, And that actually production uh, of oil and gas will increase by 2040 uh, from where it is now. And that uh, global annual CO2 emissions uh, will peak uh, in 2035, at some 5% above 2017 levels. So that's that's what the actual mentality of the major fossil fuel companies is. The major fossil fuel companies, um, oil and gas companies, the top 24, 
uh, put about 1% uh, of their investment into renewable energy uh, of various kinds. And for the simple reason, uh, in large part, that actually there are higher rates of return on investment, uh, it's more profitable uh, to invest uh, in, in fossil fuels, in oil and gas in particular. So the, the, the massive energy companies that are at the centre of this debate are, are planning uh, and organising for future where we continue to use uh, fossil fuels indefinitely uh, into the future. And obviously, if those projections in that report from ExxonMobil were, were uh, uh, borne out, uh, any possibility of staying below 1.5 or, or 2 or any would be just out the window. Uh, in terms of degrees warming, it would just uh, we would be going well above two degrees warming. So I think that's hugely instructive. You see the fact that in reality, what we're seeing is increasing the radical methods of extraction, the likes of fracking. You see, you know, a lot of people would have followed and been affected by what happened in in Standing Rock in the United States. Well, those pipeline projects that are being built all over the United States, Canada, and many other places. Uh, are, are multi-billion projects. They're projects for built for decades into the future. They're not projects for, for short-term use of, of fossil fuels. And then it isn't just the oil and gas companies themselves. Since the Paris Agreement, global banks have uh, invested $1.9 trillion in fossil fuel companies. So they're not betting against them either in that sense. And so I think in that sense, these companies that which operate on the basis of not just profit but short-term profit, uh, obviously you could make the argument that they'll they'll be affected by climate change as well in the in the short in the in the, ultimately, but uh, they operate on the basis of, of short-term profit and are continuing to drive full speed ahead in terms of you know extracting fossil fuels and, and using fossil fuels and that's that's the reality. They have in reserves uh, five times more carbon than is compatible uh, with a, uh, a target to stay below two degrees warming. So they obviously intend to extract uh, and burn that. And if ever, if ever an actual, uh, uh, you know, an international conference were to come back with uh, a serious policy that would actually move us rapidly away in the, in the way that's necessary from fossil fuels, well, actually that would, that would mean the wiping out uh, of, of billions in assets owned by the, the investors and shareholders of those companies. So I, I think we can go further and we can say that there's actually very, there's other aspects of capitalism that mean that it can't really deal with climate change because what we need in relation to climate change, obviously we need you know, massive public investment and not, not, a, not a system based on short-term profit. We also need a plan and we need coordinated economic planning. We need to plan production, plan a transition very carefully uh, uh, towards renewable energy um, and that can't be done on the basis of a market system which is based on uh, uh, competition uh, and is chaotic but also we need an international plan you know you, you cannot resolve the issues of climate change in one country uh, or in different countries uh, you know simultaneously uh, in that sense I mean it was interesting when you look at the Paris Agreement everyone signed up to the targets in, in, in the Paris Agreement, well, not everyone, but many countries. But actually, if you take the national plans that companies are operating off and you put them together, it takes us to three or four degrees uh, of warming, and that would be obviously a disaster. So international competition 
between uh, between national capitalist classes. That's actually at the core of capitalism. You know, you see an increase in rivalry between the United States and China, for example, but increase in geopolitical rivalries all around the world and resources uh, and so on will be at the centre of that. So actually a system that's based in that way uh, can't, can't engage in the type of international plan uh, of production that will be necessary to take us away from climate change. So we have to, to register that fact because people can kind of accept well, capitalism is part of the issue here, but maybe they think we need to work around it in some way, do you know what I mean, or, or, or mitigate it in some way in relation to the question of, of climate change. But actually, the ways in which capitalism works uh, in terms of profit, in terms of being based on the market, being based on competition, and being based on competition and rivalry between different countries and different powers, all of these things are fundamental barriers to taking action on climate change. And we have to actually, we have to actually be able to, to not just confront this system, but to end the system uh, in order to, to have the kind of uh, the kind of uh, uh, action that's needed. Haritha, uh, I've just noticed myself that various Irish Times articles, various just material that you'd see online, there's a trend of maybe nihilism or like demoralisation of some young people regarding the climate change. Um, Eco-anxiety is a phrase that's becoming more recurring and more felt by young people um so what do you think um is this a scene in ireland is this a feature in ireland yeah eco anxiety has definitely become more and more prevalent over the past year especially as thunberg is really really um point like really really drawn uh, light on the climate crisis and because of this exposure that um that young people are getting to the climate crisis even like far right figures like Trump and Bolsonaro are no longer able to effectively deny the existence of climate change. And it's really, really clear to us that capitalism is really um, the root of eco-anxiety. Capitalism, capitalist corporations have really um, made a concerted effort over the past year to direct the burden of the climate crisis onto young people, onto individuals, um, really blaming individual people for using plastic cups, straws, mm-hmm. single-use um, plastic, um, and not recycling in their own homes or turning off the lights when they leave a room. And these are all, you know, slogans that have really been drilled into a lot of um, primary and secondary school students today. Mm-hmm. Um, and this really kind of creates a mentality amongst young people that the burden of climate change is really on them, even though they have... Uh, really no impact and negligible impact um, on the climate crisis as it stands now. Um, This kind of guilt that's really festered in communities of young people comes out as young people feeling as though uh, any individual action they may take themselves is um, as significant as collective struggle. To a lot of young people, um, refusing a plastic straw when they go to McDonald's has the same effect (laughs) as going out and, uh, and striking with thousands of other young people. But we are really seeing that change now as young people learn about how um, capitalism is really at the root um, of the climate crisis as we have been like intervening on a very regular basis um, in schools and protests um, and stalls. The young people we'll be talking to have come to the conclusion that um, 
capitalism is really at the root of climate change and in order to end the climate we cannot fight the climate crisis mm-hmm. with capitalism um the only way to end the climate crisis is through socialist solutions mm-hmm. and um you can even see that reflected in the uh last local election as um, a layer of young people would have voted um for green parties um probably not being aware of mm-hmm. how um the green parties have done nothing but impose austerity mm-hmm. um but this nonetheless shows how um, a new layer of people are really um, concerned about the climate crisis. And honestly, a lot of young people I would talk to, especially the working class young people um, we would be intervening with, they would be the ones with the strongest um, arguments against climate change. Um, Whether they be like significantly Mm anti-capitalist or not, um, they're like with the sharpest conclusions um, would be working class young people, maybe from families whose parents have, um, would have uh, been involved in the protests against the water charges. They would, they would be aware themselves that carbon taxes are ineffective, Mm -hmm. um, that even subtly the imposition of carbon taxes would uh, shift the blame of climate change onto ordinary working class people Mm -hmm. that have no uh that the only significant effect that working class people can have on climate change is by calling out the people that are um perpetrating the Mm -hmm. crisis and definitely as young people get involved in struggle um, and meet other people that are coming to the same radical conclusions as them this is the that that is the only thing that can lift this eco-anxiety um struggle can be so empowering we have seen this through myriad struggles in the past repeal last year um so yeah. I suppose the power of struggle is that you can affect change and like I sort of would have spoken about this earlier that like movements can change consciousness and with consciousness changing that means action can be changed or action can impact change on the world so even if like just maybe a point of distinction should be made that like the earth strike that's being called is predominantly made up of like school students um, taking the forefront and so on um while the trade union movements uh ha- although there's been motions and resolutions passed there haven't been commitments made by the trade union leadership to take action on this but i think for us we have to point to the power of like the working class when they get organized because the working class or the interest of the objective working class is diametrically opposed to the profit motive because the profit motive attacks working class people again and again through a thousand different ways so true struggle against uh like if true young people coming out in struggle against uh climate change on the 20th of september uh, that has an impact on consciousness of uh over over layers workers if workers develop a higher consciousness on this the need to struggle the need to make this industrial the need to like go on strikes this can be the beginning of a process in which consciousness can be pushed in such a way that people draw real radical and even revolutionary conclusions in the not too distant future. Uh, maybe just a side, just a point, a very definitive point that needs to be honed in on. Sometimes there can be a fatalistic attitude uh, because they're, they're like it's such an enormous or it can seem like such an enormous disaster uh, and like people don't necessarily see a way out. But true struggle and true people realizing their own like interests against capitalism but also realizing that they're not responsible because part of the part of the narrative is that everyone is to blame but no 100 companies are responsible for 71 percent of emissions since 1988 so for us we have to really just get that out there and 
when people understand that, then action and system change can become a reality. Uh, Haritha, uh, Greta Thunberg has uh, been a beacon of light, uh, highlighting what's happening and standing firm and calling a spade a spade and what needs to be, that action needs to be taken, action needs to be done. If either of you were uh, to have a conversation with Greta Thunberg, <laughs> what would you say to her? Uh, how would you commend her? Uh, yeah, uh, I think Greta Thunberg is like a, has been like a true green icon over the past year, um, a, a name known by so a myriad of people, whether they are politicized or not. Um, and definitely, like we saw Thunberg call although she never would have used like the word socialist um call for more socialist policies um through the beginning of her strikes and it would be really really nice to have a conversation with her yeah. about how like you know socialist uh po- like so the socialism is the only way that we can end the climate crisis i cannot even imagine how difficult it must be for her mm-hmm. to be you know calling for radical action in the midst of you know, capitalist media that is like really putting down any action she or other school students take. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, like Thunberg, like has mobilized a huge, huge layer of people, young and old, um, to um, accepting and fighting against the climate crisis. And she's also called for general strikes, and like yeah. that's exactly what's necessary to like focus people in on just the degree of the crisis the scale of the crisis and like what we are saying that if there is general strikes and if the question of power then begins to be posed to people and if workers understand that they have the potential to change the world well well then the world can be changed and climate climate catastrophe can be interrupted halted and reversed in that sense yeah i think like obviously uh, the, the the action that greta thunberg took uh, at the in late august and uh, early september last year is incredibly inspiring and uh, uh, through her actions she managed to mobilize millions and millions of young people all across the world to come out and strike like and uh, i think like some of the mudslinging that was done by the capitalist media and press is just completely embarrassing commented on uh, the fact that she is uh, autistic and all this sort of stuff but the fact that she persevered through this the fact that she is still held up as an icon for the climate change movement is incredibly inspiring and I think especially the the uh, fact that she uh, chose to take strike action which is obviously a, a classic method of class struggle is is incredibly important I think like that shows that there is a, a real uh, sort of site that uh, class struggle can win things for mm-hmm. people like you know you look in the past you see examples of uh, strikes throughout the history the history of time almost like where stuff has been won better rights for workers better rights for students better pay better conditions have been won like you look back at maine in 1968 in france like you were on a on the verge of a revolution there and that was through a, not only a, a workers movement but also students movement coming out, coming out in support and heck like what greta thunberg has done has really provided an opportunity if the right leadership comes about for that to actually happen again at some stage that's a very good point peter and just it sort of segues well into just what I was going to ask Connor here. Um, when Peter was talking if effectively about like re- like revolutionary explosions and the question of power, and well, for us, uh, the power or the question of power is central here because uh, Connor, you've outlined already, capitalist human activity is destroying the earth. It's so it's a matter of overthrowing capitalism and the classes who have a vested interest in maintaining the status quo. So who, who in your view or, or what in your view is the force that is capable of changing the world? Yeah, so as, um, as, uh, as Peter said, it's, it's really, really positive 
um, that the question of strike has been centre stage uh, and the idea of a strike has been centre stage in terms of this movement uh, and it shows how uh, it, it shows how people can draw radical conclusions very quickly but it also points in some ways the way the way forward I'm, I just want to step back from that for, from that for a second um, I think the first thing we have to say uh, when we talk about the, the class dynamics of this is uh, we have to look at the other side of it right so when we have a, an environment when we talk about an environmental movement like every other social movement it's actually it's fighting a battle and it's up against someone and it's up against uh, the forces who want to maintain <coughs> the status quo in society. So, in capitalist interests, uh, the major uh, fossil fuel companies, the major banks, the capitalist class as a whole, and the governments spend and and represent their their interests. And that's who holds the decisive power in our world. Uh, and unless actually we can fight a battle, they can take that power and wealth off them. Put it into the hands and under democratic control of working class people and, and society as a whole, that can't, um, you know, until we do that, that, that's the basis on which we can, can actually move forward uh, in relation to climate change. So that's, that's the first thing to say, I think, in terms of this. So when you look at something like that, it can seem daunting, um, obviously, even more so when you think about the amount of time that we have to take action. But there's another side to, to all of this, which is, that it isn't just on the question of climate change that capitalism is mm-hmm. is failing, which is, you know, if you look at uh, housing in, in, in Ireland, but all across the world, if you look at precarious work, economic insecurity, if you look at the rise of right-wing populism, racism, if you look at the ubiquity of uh, misogyny, uh, sexism, like on all of these questions, we have a system which people are rejecting and are being, being moved into struggle uh, against. And so... All these questions, I mean, we, we, you know, there's a, there's a whole uh, broader struggle and movement in that sense, which the, the climate change movement can, can link up with. And I think a really good example of what that could look like uh, is being shown in Harlan and Wolf uh, in Belfast, where uh, workers have occupied the shipyard there, uh, workers who have essentially been, been thrown on uh, the scrap heap by uh, by capitalism, but they've occupied their their shipyard. They've taken a stand. They've called for nationalisation, but they've also called and raised the idea of uh, green jobs using the site to produce windmills uh, and as part of the transition to renewable energy. That's what we need. We need a fight uh, which is you know <laughs> a fight against uh, against climate change, against the destruction of our planet, combined with a fight for the rights of workers, including workers in in the, the fossil fuel industry. That's an example of the kind of unity we can see, but also the kind of the way in which all these struggles can feed into the question of taking on capitalism and raising demands around around climate. So everything that, that when we talk about that, the top 100 companies, that 71% of uh, emissions, as, as you mentioned, Shane, everything in this world, including all the wealth of those big polluting companies, based on uh, the labour of, of workers, and so workers and the working class have a unique power uh, in society, uh, and a, a unique power in relation to, to to this issue as well. And so it would be great if we saw not just a school student strike, but actually uh, if the lead is given by a school student 
students was followed by workers all around this country and all around the world. That will be uh, on September 20th uh, and beyond. And if a lead was given by the trade union movement uh, and the trade union leadership in that regard, it's very good that there are motions and um, uh, a moral support being, being given. But if that was translated into workers' action, uh, we'd be, you know, that would be a dramatic, fundamental strengthening of the movement. So what we need, I think, is a, is a movement of working class and young people against climate destruction and against capitalism uh, and for a socialist alternative. Uh, I think that's what we need to try and build. Harifa, what groups and organisations would you encourage to come out on the Earth Strike? So, uh, I'm actually tied into that. Uh, uh, what's happening in your school? How is your school preparing? In my school, in particular, we have a we have like quite a newly formed um, climate action committee, um, which is really really encouraging and pushing all students um, from first year all the way through sixth year to go out and strike on September twentieth. And I would really really encourage all school students listening to this now to do the same it's even if you've never gone to a protest yourself before it's really really not that difficult to get your friends to come and strike on september 20th if there's strike in your nearest town if there's no protest just like they're happening already make a couple of placards and get as many people as you can um mobilized uh, mobilized to fight against the climate crisis and like i think Connor really touched upon a really important point with um, workers joining um, the strike. The young people striking at the moment are, in some cases, current, but mainly the future workers. And maybe at the beginning, the strikes might have could be perceived as being a bit anti-adult, really blaming the older generations um, for the destruction of our planet. But this, it was really, really not the case. Um, at the end of the day, the working class is the largest um, force, the most powerful force in the world. And we really, really need workers to come out and strike with young people um, uh, to overturn um, the climate crisis and try and mitigate um, against a 1.5 degree increase in temperature, um, at least. It's brilliant that um, ASTI or ASTI, one of the main teachers union, has passed a, have passed a motion mm-hmm. um showing their support and solidarity with school students asking school managements mm-hmm. um to encourage um all staff and faculty members to um strike with the students unfortunately because of repressive le- le- legislation with the industrial um relations act it's rendered almost impossible for workers to really um go out and strike um with school students um against against the climate crisis um which is this is legislation that really really has to be overturned mm-hmm. um for us to have a really significant and really really necessary impact mm-hmm. um but nonetheless it's really really important that all workers um even if, even if it's in your own workplaces or through your trade unions um to be there on september 20th mm-hmm. do you want to come in on that peter yeah, so uh, I think like uh, especially in the north, I'm going to comment on here. Uh, what what you need to see in the north is uh, groups like uh, students' unions coming out in support of uh, the the earth strike. You know, obviously at the minute the uh, earth strike campaign is led by uh, uh, school students in uh, in the north. Uh, but w- what what you could see is uh, if the students' unions from uh, t- 
tax colleges and the universities in the north came out in support of the the earth strike you could see a mass mobilization of university students also coming out mm-hmm. but then i would also uh like to mention that uh, in the north at the minute you have quite a few ongoing uh ongoing labor sort of battles so uh, what you have at the minute is an ongoing uh pay dispute in the civil service uh with uh already a strike happening a couple of months ago and uh more strikes planned to go ahead for the rest of the year what you have is uh royal mail workers being balloted on strike action mm-hmm. uh, the royal college of nurses being ballot for strike action and uh, you have Harlan Woodfoot on uh, occupation. So what you see is uh, these, these these groups of workers who can make this struggle their struggle as well, mm-hmm. can obviously link in the struggles together because it's, it's all the fight against the same people as the fat cats at the top of society we're all fighting against to not only try and get better conditions but also to try and save the planet. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is like call on all unions and call on all students unions to come out right. and support the airstrike and to uh, really drive and push for this because as I said earlier you know it, it could be something for for mass change. Like. Haritha, Peter, Connor, thanks very much for participating. Uh, just a few last words. Haritha raised the point about action committees or um, being set up in schools throughout the country. Uh, if you're listening and if you'd like to find out more about how to set up an action committee or if you'd be interested in linking up with the Socialist Party in building for the uh, 20th of September, feel free to contact us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. Um, and and socialistparty.ie thanks to everyone who listened to this podcast and we hope to see you out on the 20th of september all the best bye now